0: D20 Radio, your gamers role. wwwd 20 radiocom
1: Welcome to me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience.
0: Welcome back to me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And I think we're going to talk about some RPGs. But before we do that, we need to talk about our podcast of the week, which is The Forge.
1: The Forge? Is is that that one that that crazy guy that has the funny accent does?
0: Yeah, the guy from New Zealand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's going to get you on Messenger. (laughs) I don't don't care. (laughs) No, the Forge is the Forge is a cool show. It's all about Genesis and creating things for Genesis and you know, tricks to to publish them on, on the Genesis Foundry through drive and, through and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh Hooli and and Chris as well do a lot of a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool interviews. And plus, you know, Huli's a good friend of ours and we like yeah. to give him a lot of
0: grief. So Yeah, yeah, gotta give him some hard times. <laughs> but uh yeah, check out the Foundry. Or the, uh, check out the, well, both check out the forge <laughs> and the foundry. Yes. Cool stuff in both places. But with all that being said, what are we talking about for the week?
1: Well, I thought maybe, and this actually in a certain way ties into the Genesis foundry. We could talk about what you and I got to do this past weekend, which was, we got to participate in some playtesting for something that is going to be on the Genesis foundry in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, we did.
1: I was going to say, just so everyone knows, we aren't going to spoil things, partially because we were asked not to, but also because, I mean, where's the fun in that? Mm -hmm. But we can say what it was we were playtesting for. We did get permission to do that.
0: Oh, cool. So we can say who's attached to it and all that? or Yep, and the title. Okay. Yeah, so we were playtesting a game for Brett... From Studio 404, he's working on a new game. What is the actual official title of it? Anarchy in Dragon City. Yep. And it is dope. (laughs) It is really cool. Oh, man.
1: (laughs) I just, I found the whole experience eye-opening in a way, because, I mean, it was very much in some ways a regular session, but it wasn't because we were fiddling with a whole bunch of new stuff.
0: Well, and in fiddling with stuff, we were breaking things. And in breaking things, we were fixing things.
1: hmm well, I don't know that we broke anything so much as went, eh, maybe this needs tweaked. <laughs> well. But it was also the adventure he's planning to run at Gamer Nation Con. And, right. Jeez. Like, uh, well, by the time anyone hears this, it'll be like in a week.
0: Well, hey, let me say this. If you're planning on going to Gamer Nation Con, sign up for that thing, because it's awesome. Yes, it was a lot of fun. And make sure you break it beyond repair, because I'd love to see him react to somebody just coming in and making it.
1: Well, I think, I think the thing that may have caught him the most off guard might have been... Jesse? Jesse's yes, Jesse.
0: <laughs> just Jesse in general?
1: <laughs> Jesse's good for that. But the maneuver <laughs> Jesse pulled at, at about the midpoint of the whole scenario was, and I've known Jesse for a long time, and he's wonderful to play with. You heard him on our, uh, Genesis AP. We did with GM Chris, but Jesse is good for these incredibly innocent left turns that you just go, where the heck did that come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jesse is not the guy you let drive the car. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, it's, it's it... Hey, that thing's so cool. I, I, I can't wait. I told, um, when when they're ready to launch, they're going to come back on the podcast. I really hope they are, because I can't wait to talk about that setting.
1: Well, we're actually going to have them on again fairly soon. Uh, Brett was on with us. Well, I think you weren't there that week for whatever reason.
0: I was not. I I got to meet Brett for the first time playing this thing.
1: <laughs> but uh, Brett's going to be on in a couple weeks. Uh, we have something to talk with him about. But it's not this, although we might get no. on it a little bit. Well,
0: yeah. No, what I'm driving at is I can't wait till we can talk about this officially. Oh um, yeah. But speaking of to to go back to our main topic, you know, playtesting is such an important part of the whole gaming experience that I think a lot of times gets overlooked.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, see, here's here's the thing, and and I had heard, you know, you hear all down the Forge or any uh, anywhere else that you you. Listen to people talk about writing adventures that they intend to publish, even if it's just to put them up for free on a blog or whatever, talk about playtesting them. And you know, you always kind of in my head, I thought, well, okay, so you just do the thing and then you run it and you see what happens. And yes, that's true, but that's not all there is to it, or at least I didn't get that impression this week. How about you?
0: No, there's more to it than just running it and see how things go. You gotta you gotta know the questions you need to ask. Mm -hmm. because I think part of the thing that that just running it, the part of the problem with just running it is when you're just running a a playtest, you don't ask all the questions that are required. Mm -hmm. So there's things that you specifically want to know about that you might not even encounter just running a game, let alone, you know, just running a playtest. And so you get to the situation where it's like, okay, well maybe I need to just straight up ask, how do you guys feel about this? And if the answer is, oh, it's great. Or the answer is, I don't know. I didn't really use it. Well, then that, you know, that tells you a little bit more than what you even realize. Yeah. Well, I think the,
1: I don't, I don't know. I didn't use it. may be a telling answer in itself though, in that that probably means either one it's unclear and, People don't understand it, and so they're just ignoring it. Or two, it's not interesting.
0: Or three, it's not it's not um, implemented in a way that's useful. Mm-hmm. There, there are things that you can make. Like I could in cyberpunk, I could make a a, a gun that just yells the word bang. <laughs> right. It doesn't actually kill anyone. It just yells bang. That's not a useful thing. Well, but. <laughs> might it's useful for some laughs, but it's not a useful thing. But so playtesting that might not make any sense. why would it make any sense to do that? Right.
1: Well there's no real statistical implication of that.
0: Right. Well and in certain things there's no statistical implication for them either. True. It's just you're when you're making a mechanic or you're making a item or you're making uh you know in this case it's a whole setting. Mm-hmm you have to know, you 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 have to make sure that everything that is statistically important gets tried and used. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, you know, you got to ask the questions afterwards of like, okay, how did you feel about this? And if everybody goes, eh, I just ignored it, then you sort of got to ask yourself, is this important? Yeah. Did I put enough weight on this? Do I need to change what I'm doing with it?
1: Yeah. And well, the other thing that, that I thought was interesting, well, now keep going with that thought before, cause I'm about to send us off
0: down another trail. Well, just it, you know, I'm working on some stuff myself. I'm working on my own setting and there's a couple of things that I'm looking at it going, boy, I hope when I'm ready to play test this, my players actually latch onto that and grab it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, as I'm coming out of this, this, play test for the con type thing i i have gotten to this point where i'm like okay i like that i'm gonna steal that and actually that's how i'm going to play test my setting when i'm ready to test it Mm -hmm. i'm gonna make basically a long one shot that is going to be all right everybody gets together and we're gonna try this out and i want feedback i want to know what's good i want to know what's bad if it's bad i want to know how bad it is you know what i mean Mm-hmm. If it's good, I want to know. You know, how can we break it, and if we break it, how can we fix it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah,
1: it was very much a learning experience for me from a top-down thing. Because, like, you know, you're working on the setting. I've got two or three of them rolling around in my head, and in various stages of Google Docs. Most of them, you know, scattered half pages of notes and et cetera. But yeah. But I, it was, like you said, it's it's not just, okay, this is my world and here's an adventure in it. You know, it, in a case where you've got, you know, new races or archetypes or classes or whatever they're called and whatever it is that you're dealing with, you need to make sure those come into play to test them. And I think it's one thing if you're testing a monster, but if you've made something playable... You need people to stretch it and see what it does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You need to see how elastic that thing that you just made is. And if it's not, then that's an important distinction. hmm Right. Like, if you learn that the thing you just made is not elastic at all, oh, well, that changes everything. Or it changes mm-hmm. nothing. If you planned on it not being elastic, that's great. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, no, and I guess, too, the other thing that comes, you know, a lot of people talk about with playtest is balance.
0: Yeah, balance is balance is a thing that, in my mind, balance is one of those things that is going to... The, the only way you're going to get balance is with time. Like, you could playtest till you're blue in the face. You're never going to find balance, because every player does things a little bit differently. True. And so, in my opinion, I think you're better off to sort of guess at what the balance is going to be, go ahead and implement the thing, run it, and if, you, if you're two weeks from publishing and realize that, oh, well, there's like a hundred different synergies that make this thing absolutely broken. Okay. As long as it's not fun, as long as it's not unfun for the players, it's fine. Yeah.
1: Well, see, I think though, there comes a, a point where you need to, you need to, to think about balance. Oh yeah. You know, I, I it's, mean, it's not the most important thing, but it is important
0: I agree that balance needs to be a thing. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people that want to put it out there that oh, you need to really balance what you're working on, and and yes, you do have to balance the thing up front. But I don't think it's absolutely necessary that once you've done that, as long as it's not completely broken, you should be okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: I think balance is the thing too that that is very different system to system.
0: Yes, you know. Yes, because balanced in 5e is very different than balanced balanced in Genesis. Because, you know, if it's balanced in 5e, you're looking at something that is probably absolutely broken. And if you're <laughs> balanced in Genesis, you're looking at something that is thematically broken, but mechanically fine.
1: Okay. Um, I don't know exactly what you mean by thematically broken, but okay. Uh, I
0: think along the lines of, how do I want to put this. Um, maybe, maybe not thematically broken. Maybe, I don't know. It's usually things in Genesis are either completely normal or absolutely bonkers. And there's no. Okay.
1: So you mean, is it, is it like thematically over the top?
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not maybe broken is the wrong term, but yeah, thematically over the top.
1: Okay. No, that makes, well, but see for me, Genesis thematically is is like a big thing for genesis right right you know it 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 drives a lot of how you do things because it's supposed to be narrative it's supposed to be you know to go back i don't know if i specifically mentioned this but a while ago i was listening to an episode of ken and robin talk about stuff which is well it's ken height robin d law is talking about stuff Mm -hmm. but they were talking about they did this this kind of mini-series in a segment of the show where they were talking about axes of game design. And I think the very first one they hit was simulation versus emulation. And what they meant by that was that, are you trying to simulate how reality works, you know, in physics, in, in whatever, or are you trying to emulate what you see in a film or the images conjured by fiction or you know what I mean are you trying to simulate reality or are you trying to emulate some form of of media or whatever and I think Genesis leans much more heavily into the emulation side of things where I think at least originally Dungeons and Dragons was trying to be more simulative and I'm not sure what it is that it does now
0: like it's a little mix. It,
1: it's 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 a weird animal and I don't want to bag on it because I know a lot of people love it and I've thought about this a lot in the last couple of weeks and it's kind of like, man, I don't particularly like it, but I think it's more because at least right now I don't want to play the type of game that it's good at.
0: Yeah, I I, I I'd be down to play the type of game that it's good at. I'd be down to play a heroic fantasy game, but I just don't necessarily want to play it in that system. So that's
1: fair too. I mean, it also could just be, I've seen enough of it is everywhere. And I have this sort of weird thing where I avoid things that are popular sometimes just because like at this point it's become sort of a, what do you want to say? A running joke. I have never stepped foot at a Starbucks to my knowledge. I've never had a Starbucks product. And so at this point I keep it that way just because it makes people look at me funny. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's not like I have some grand moral objection or anything like that. It's just, oh, I haven't. And that sort of makes me feel unique in some little tiny insignificant way.
0: Yeah. You know, that's the, that's, I I don't know. I don't want to get into bagging on D&D. I, I think, like I said, I think I, I could, I would be down for a heroic fantasy game. Just probably not in that system. <laughs> just, just that system isn't doing it for me anymore. I've tried it. I've I've tried too many other systems that work better that make me just sort of go, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, no. I, if, I, yeah. if there was a new edition, I would try it just to say I tried it and probably yes, it and called it a day. Like, I mean, we were just talking about. Um, well, no, not we weren't just talking about. I don't know why my brain went Robin D. Laws and Russ Morrissey, but you know, Russ put out um, Level Up, Level Yeah. Why am I having Brain melt today, but no, you Russ
1: have enough coffee,
0: no, I did not well, there you go yeah i i, I woke up late, I didn't have enough coffee, I've had a weird day, <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, Russ Morrissey put out level up, and I'd be down to try that. I think that adds a cool complication to it, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just i don't I'm not you know, like i said everybody everybody has their thing that they like you, like five e that's great. I'm glad, and honestly, I know we we used to do a lot more of it, but stick around, we will keep giving out good advice for playing games and stuff, so, you know.
1: Yeah, well, Um, but to go back to where we got into this, I think in a simulationist game, such as, I think that's still where 5e's design system is based, I think balance is more important there than it is in an emulation game. Because I think part of it is that the system's cause you to think differently as a player and so in an emulation game you're trying to do this thing where in a simulation game your brain goes to how can i make big numbers does that make sense
0: yeah it does it makes a lot of sense <laughs> and i think i think one of the things with a simulation game as well is your brain kind of roots itself in a more realistic expectation Mm-hmm But I I think your brain roots itself in a more realistic expectation. You expect reality in a a simulation-style game to react, well, the way reality does normally. Mm -hmm. And in an emulation-style game, that kind of goes out the window.
1: Right, right. And so I think to try and tie it back around, and I may be making mental leaps that only my brain makes right now, but this is where I think playtesting is important because for a simulation game, you need to know that you have the numbers right. And for an emulation game, you need to know that you
0: have the feel right. And that's where that's where playtesting is super important because you've got to make sure tone for a setting makes or breaks the setting. Mm-hmm. And if you're playtesting a setting or if you're playtesting a game and your tone is wrong, man, you're, you're you know, it's... It... It's a tough pitch. You know, it's 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 a hard sell at that point.
1: Well, to to go down that rabbit hole, because it, it, it's, it's rabbit hole. It's rabbit season, okay? Yeah. I said so.
0: Um, <laughs> We've done it the whole episode. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, shit. I just lost my train of thought right in the middle of going to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what the heck was I saying?
0: I was talking about how... Uh, oh your feel, feel makes or breaks yeah feel
1: okay to t- case in point is for you and i we're both very much fans of cyberpunk oh sorry <laughs> that too yes but we're both very much fans of the cyberpunk genre and the published genesis quote-unquote cyberpunk setting shadow of the beanstalk
0: uh yes
1: i think it's a cool setting it is a very cool setting it doesn't feel like cyberpunk to me.
0: Uh, yes. I have opinions on this.
1: And, and so like it's to put it in a nutshell and, and I think we both kind of share is I've taken to calling it a pond Smithian view on cyberpunk, you know, where it, it's dark and gritty and whatever shadow of the beanstalk just feels too sleek.
0: Yeah, I I I'll, I'll sort of let me wrap it around to some literary references. So I I've read a lot of sci-fi cyberpunk novels and my flavor of cyberpunk is very Philip K Dick. It's gritty, grimy and dirty but it's not incomprehensible. Like um the go-to cyberpunk author is William Dick or William Gibson. Right. And Gibson is there's some cool stuff, but it's impenetrable and penetrable because Gibson goes and makes his own language basically. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of stuff that you, you end up, it's sort of like reading the, it's sort of like reading the sci-fi version of Tolkien, right? Like there's a lot of references in Tolkien that if you don't have a, if you don't have a thesaurus in the back of the book, you don't really understand what's being said. Mm Hmm. And Gibson's kind of the same way, which it's cool. If you like William Gibson novels, that's great. I'm glad that you do. I'm not saying that I hate them. I, I really enjoy some of them, but sometimes I just am not in the mood to read William Gibson novels. But mm-hmm. like Philip K. Dick, Ray Bradbury, um, you know, um, a little bit of Isaac Asimov and and some of those writers, that's stuff that I sort of like my go-to cyberpunk settings are sort of based around like Philip K. Dick's writings, or it's based around like, I'm not a huge, and this is going to sound like blasphemy, but I'm not a huge Blade Runner fan. I think it's cool. I really like it, but it's not like my go-to cyberpunk thing, but
1: feels more noir than cyberpunk to me in a lot. Well, of ways. Yeah,
0: I, I think my go-to cyberpunk and, and this tells you exactly. A, well, it tells you a lot about me. My go-to cyberpunk is like 90s cyberpunk anime. <laughs> so stuff like Ghost in the Shell, stuff like um oh man, there's a billion Akira um mm. like I'm just trying to think of easy mainstream ones, but there's there's a ton of of nineties anime that's cyberpunk. And that's where my brain kinda goes. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the dark, grimy, you know, clammy city streets and the super high tech that is just prevalent and maybe is, you know, maybe it's run down, maybe it's beat up, but I've described to you that Android is like the Apple version of cyberpunk, (laughs) like everything. And I'm sure that there are stories and that you can tell a grimy, gritty story in Android, but in the book and reading the, the core book, Android shadow of the beanstalk, it feels like a, Apple version of cyberpunk. It feels like you know here's your here's your new cell phone with without a charger, like and that's the darkest you're gonna experience as far as like dystopian and android right
2: mm-hmm.
0: and And that's not me like I said, that's not me ragging on it. If that's your flavor of cyberpunk, hey, that's awesome. I'm not out here trying to tell you that that's wrong. I'm just saying that for me personally that's not my flavor of cyberpunk my flavor of cyberpunk is is dystopian and dark and capitalist hellscapes and like
1: (laughs) well i think you know to a certain point it's a two-part phrase and for me the punk part of it captures a very specific or maybe not very specific but it captures you know it it brings to mind some themes that i just haven't really felt in shadow of the beanstalk
0: well and I think it's it's also let me say this. When I say punk, I, I can only imagine knowing you that you're thinking of like early Ramones, the Misfits, uh maybe like Gigi Allen, like dead punk Kennedys. rock, dead Kennedys. And when I say punk, to me I think of like when I listen to punk music, I listen to hardcore. So like I think of early Cannibal Corpse, I think of, you know, a lot of that, like New York hardcore stuff. And that's why I don't necessarily like my, my focus is on the cyber and less on the punk and yours is on the punk and less on the cyber.
1: Yeah. and That's the thing, right? It's not that either one of us is right, but yeah, that's where I think some of the, the genre labeling is people want to say, oh, it's this, it's that, it's that. Well, that depends on what you define that thing as.
0: Right. And and I don't think Shadow of the Beanstalk is wrong, but I also know that, I don't know, in my mind, like I said, when you're going to sell me a cyberpunk game, I want it to be both cyber and a kind of punk, whatever kind of punk that may be, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could sell me a cyberpunk game that is cyber pop punk, right? So it can be like sort of Shadow Run has that a little bit of like, it's you know cyber and then like uh green day green day or or well yeah green day or like neon pink and black you know like bright purples like that kind of stuff you know what i mean like it's this it's this tonal of like this tonal dissonance of like yeah everything is trash and also simultaneously you know everything's brightly lit while dark like It's, it's, uh, contrast is turned way up. Contrast is turned way up. Your, your city streets as you're, as you're walking down them are lit by these neon signs of, of just all this different stuff. Like, that's, that is where, like, you have to have that punk side of it. And I, I feel like, I feel like Android doesn't have the punk side of it. I feel like, I and I, I'm not saying that to be rude and if somebody wants to point me ro- point out that I'm wrong please feel free but I just feel personally that from what I've read of Android and what I've played of Android it doesn't have the same I don't know it just doesn't have the same amount of like like it doesn't have teeth in a way
1: you know what I mean No well it's how do you want it's the difference between a built hot rod and a Ferrari Yeah and by that I don't mean like a deuce that's you know all chromed out and whatever. No, I'm talking about a Rip Snorton, you know, street sleeper that is all business under the hood.
0: Oh, we're we're talking about a car when you hear it start up, you literally like crap yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, oh, dang, what is that? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's gonna die at any minute now. Like. <laughs> Until it
1: comes off idle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then you're yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> on idle, it sounds like it's just constantly like, man, that thing is going to choke out at any second now. And then you hear him hit the throttle. And it's like, oh, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Versus, yeah, like a Ferrari, which you get in, start it. It sounds great, but it ru- it just runs. It's like there's the no Netflix question of.
1: Uh, fastest car. Have you seen that one?
0: No. It's a
1: series on Netflix where they take over the course of the season, they take groups of four and three of them are people that have built race cars in their garages, whatever. Mm -hmm. And some of them are amateur to low level professional drag racers. And some of them are literally just people who are building stuff in their backyard, whatever. And they put them in a quarter mile drag 4 wide with a supercar.
0: Okay. And that's not a hard (laughs) race.
1: (laughs) Actually, it's, it's, more interesting than you'd think
0: really yes because i would uh, usually mm, okay I'm, I'm just gonna it's a stock supercar though that yeah, is usually if... those supercars aren't very good at drag racing mm, i mean a lot of
1: them have launch controls i mean we're talking like mclarens and
0: yeah but even uh, the, I, I i would be more <sighs> impressed if you like all right here's these stock drag cars versus you know here's a demon <laughs>
1: Well, you have people bringing, like, modified demons, that that yeah. level of car, to this. Yeah. You know, not not full-on Street Outlaws, which, let's be honest, the Street Outlaws, those are track cars.
0: Uh, yeah. They're
1: on the street, sort of, but those are track cars.
0: <laughs> sort of, yeah. I yeah. mean... <laughs> sort of is the operative term there. No, I'm not going to get into this right now. We're <laughs> yeah in the middle it's, of that's... our podcast about RBGs. We're not going to talk about how Street <laughs> Outlaws is actually filmed on a closed airport track you know just say it yeah but anyway, <laughs> um but,
1: yeah so to circle back into the play testing like i said you're you're trying to make sure you're conveying the feel with all this stuff you've written that you're trying to convey and that's
0: that's oh, yeah, the thing right. that's we were tough. talking about play testing yes we were <laughs> you know no that and, is tough it, it, i agree with you it's hard to make sure you're portraying the right feel and portraying the right You know, and that's why you're trying to play test it, in my opinion. I think that's why you would like, because in a vacuum, you can sit and write something and in your own head, you're like, yeah, this has this feel to it. You could ask somebody. And then the problem is, is if you ask somebody and say, hey, does this feel like this? Well, that puts their that puts the thought in their head, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're like, oh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. But if you're play testing something and you're just like, all right, we're going to sit down and play it and you don't really say any like maybe you send out a document that lays out what the setting is, but you don't really say anything about anything about it. That lets the players figure out and be like, when you're done, they're like, oh man, I really like the tone. It was very dark and gritty. Well, it wasn't supposed to be dark and gritty. It was supposed to be silly and goofy, like, right. you know, or vice versa. And so it, it sort of gets to that point where you're like, oh, okay, well now I know that I need to change this, that, or the other thing, because, the tone is not coming across the way I want it to, or the tone is coming across exactly how I want it to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, and I think at this stage, you know, uh, Brett and, and they're, they're very early on kind of in their play testing thing. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, and this is going from stuff I've heard elsewhere, you know, another thing that's important to do if you're looking to publish is get it play tested by people that aren't you mm-hmm. because, yeah.
0: Let somebody Again, else run it. Let somebody else. Yeah.
1: Because like you just said, you know what you want to convey with it. So the way you present the information you've written may, you know, it's it's going to be different most likely than, you know, if I write something and hand it to you, you're going to read it different than I would read it.
0: Right. Well, and that's, I've talked before about just a weird tangent, but I've talked before about why I like asking my players what happened last session. Yeah,
1: but that's actually, that's a perfect illustration of what I was saying.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the, well, what happened last session? Well, now you get to know what they focused on, not necessarily what you were focused on Mm -hmm. and by handing the game to somebody and you could absolutely, and and this is something I'll say, and this is something I'll probably do when I play test it, I'm going to hand my game to somebody and be like, okay, here's this. And when you're looking for players, I want to be one of the players. And then you get to sit there and experience how they ran it differently than you and how the other players are reacting. And, you know, you obviously you don't want to do anything silly like make yourself the most powerful player in the world. Make yourself an average, you know, or what you feel to be an average character. And if that's not average amongst the players, well, now you know you have to change some character stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. or watch how the other players do their thing being in the room while they're playing the game is super important for for the creator and writer if you're if you're doing it all by yourself like I am or like you know other people have done it's very important that you sit and and know not just what the not just what the GM is doing different from how you run it but like knowing how the players are running it different than your players right
1: well you get to see how they react to what you did. I think ideally to do that, it'd be fun to do that where, I mean, obviously you're probably going to have clued the GM in on it, but where the other players don't know that it was your thing.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly what you have to do. I think you go, Hey, I made this thing. Can you run it for me? But don't tell anybody else that, you know, I made this thing. Just be like, you found this thing and you wanted to run it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's cool. It's, it's,
1: I just, I, like I said, the the experience was neat because it was, it was interesting watching and going, okay, this thing. And the other thing that, that I noticed that Brett did is we were playing with pre-gens, which I, again, because you're testing out these different facets, that was important because by making pre-gens, he could focus what, your options were to try and get you to use certain things or whatever. Right.
0: Well, I I will say this by, by using pregens and this is just a fact and, and this is something that you got to keep in mind when you're playtesting, what it allows for is you can keep a little bit of your information more locked down by not letting your players build a character. You're not putting out as much, like, keep in mind, you're playtesting this, And who you're playtesting with, you really need to be able to either... You need to be able to trust them. Because not that I'm saying anybody would do anything nefarious, but it's happened. Mm -hmm. And the more information that you put out, the easier it is for information to leak. You know what I mean? Whether it be a big project or a little project.
1: I think that goes too, though, to what stages you're at in playtesting. Because at some point, I think you do need to open creation up like character creation up to eyes other than your own, because that'll maybe help you find those breaking synergies. Like you mentioned a while back, you know, six tangents ago that that you just didn't
0: see. Yes. But also I think you could do that. I think you can do that safely. Whereas playtesting, ideally you're doing it with strangers. Fair. I think you could do that with, with, with trusted people. And, you know, hey, it's, you know, I trust you. I know that you're the only person that has a copy of this. So if this gets out, you know, you're not num- you're a number one person I'm coming to. <laughs> and so that's a little bit like versus there's seven people in a room playing a game. Well, who leaked the game? Uh I don't know. There's only seven of you. I have to figure out. Well, but what about the group before that? You know what I mean? cuz you're yeah. not just play testing once. I, I I if you if you only play test once, that you're you're probably making a mistake. More than likely making a mistake by just play testing once.
1: I don't think once isn't to you know, to go scientific method on it. Once is not a sample size. No. If you do it once and it goes catastrophically wrong, you know you have something you probably need to fix. If you do it once and it all goes right, that you probably just means wrong. you didn't find the problem.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Fix it till it's broken. <laughs> but yeah, I, I ideally you're running it more than once and you're probably running it with different groups each time. Yeah. Cause I don't think anybody wants to run the same scenario fifteen times.
1: No, that gets into where despite how you may want to do it, meta knowledge is gonna seep in. Yeah. It, that's just the way thing yeah, you know, that's the way the human mind works.
0: Right. So but,
1: I um but I think the other thing and this is one where uh, I think if you're going to put something out even if you're just putting it up on a blog as hey I made this you do want to do some play testing with it even if you're not selling it whatever because what's going to happen at some point or other is somebody's going to come along and find it and go oh somebody made this it must be good and then they're going to tweak off of it, or they may take it and tweak off of it. And now, if your thing was broken in the first place, they only changed a little bit. Now it it's just all sorts of wacky. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, it- you know, like like if, if you put something up, and then someone else wants to do something kind of like this, but they want it different, and so they change it, and they're looking at your stuff assuming that you've put the diligence that you should have into it to to make it, you know, make sure it it isn't breaking. You know, a lot of people aren't going to go back to the thing that they started with and see if that's broken before they start as you put it <laughs> fixing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like if 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 you modify it, you're going to assume that your modification caused the problem or that your idea caused the problem, not that maybe the thing you know the toaster that you bolted the hair dryer to was bad. It had nothing to do with bolting the hair dryer to it. Right. Yeah. Well, this coming from someone who likes to build weird, crazy things. But anyway, although I have not yet bolted a toaster to a hair dryer, what's that for? Mobile toast? <laughs> no. Although the closest thing I am working on converting a vacuum cleaner to a forced induction system. Not oh, vacuum, that's easy. But that's yeah. I just got to duct it right.
0: Yeah, that's not that hard. I, I mean.
1: But this is like an old Hoover, not a shop vac.
0: Oh, well, that's a different problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shop vac, it just is put the hose in the other hole. Yeah,
0: you just put the hose in the hole. It works. No, that's like, um, I, our, my, uh, I'll just call him. My father-in-law has a uh, old uh, pump for an inflatable bounce house. He's buried near his fire pit. And the reason he's buried it is so that he can plug it in, and they've ducted it to the fire pit. Aha! It's basically a forge. It's great.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it makes it makes life so much easier when you're building a fire, and you're like, "Oh man, I don't want to have to sit here and baby it. Turn that blower on and walk away. <laughs> Come That's back, a you. lot of air, too. Yeah, yeah. And you could have you you have and will melt everything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We were, That's uh, why you never have eyebrows.
0: Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, uh, we were, we were making hot dogs and like s'mores the one night because the kids wanted some s'mores. He'd stuck the fork in the fire and turned the blower on, not even thinking about it. There was no fork left. <laughs> uh, there was a puddle of aluminum in the bottom of the fire pit. Oh my. But yeah,
1: that is a playtesting fail right there, folks.
0: Yeah. No, it's a it's a success. Well, it was fun it was it worked in a way, it did a thing.
1: It just wasn't the thing you were intending it to do.
0: It made the fire sort of. real hot.
1: That was the plan, yeah, well, yes, that's true.
0: It, it made the fire real hot. That was the original plan, and so it worked that is that is if you ever want to know what failure with advantage looks like
1: <laughs> yeah that that sounds about right. It did exactly what I wanted it to. A
0: little yeah. too well. Yeah. What's what does failing upwards look like? <laughs> mm. okay. Well
1: I don't know if that was as productive as a conversation as I intended it to be, but it was fun.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that was a fun conversation. Let's move into uh game of the week. Game
1: of the week game of the week. Game of the week. All
0: right, what do you got for game of the week this week, Steve? I got a game. I got a game real you good here. You told me earlier, but I forgot already. I got a game called Punk Fu. Punk Fu is a game of hazy neon, thumping techno, and thrilling combat that plays out like your favorite action and kung fu movies. Revel in wrecked cars, wreck cars, cool characters, and the clash of steel blades. It's designed with a unique XD6 mechanic system to determine how kinds of characters' actions easily pick up for allows high degree of flexibility, blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. It is a pay what you want game that is awesome. Oh, I've read this. It's like 56 pages, so it's way more than I thought it was going to be. What? No, no, I'm I'm listening. You got a comment? No, not yet. No, oh. it's 56 pages. I've been reading through it here. It is so cool. It's it's yeah. I I'm, I got to pick a con game, and I'm kind of looking at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of looking at it because it's weird, and people would not have heard of it. But at the same time, it's not a hard sell.
1: It, it looks interesting. Let's put it that way. It kind of has that over the top, but still a little bit edgy
0: vibe to it. It's, yeah, it's got that, like, the main cover art is a guy with a mohawk who's smoking a cigarette, holding a big katana in a Hawaiian shirt and shorts and sandals. <laughs> like, it tells you everything right there. <laughs> There's not much more you need to know. But yeah, it's that's a cool one. Um definitely one to check out. All right. Well, I have one that it's
1: not pay what you want. The mm-hmm. price on drive through is all of 50 cents. However, in bold print at the very top of the listing, it tells you, and I quote, you can download the pull. You can download the full PDF for free by clicking on the publisher preview. But if you'd like to support Creators work. You could, by purchasing the product, you'll also receive nine full, nine form fillable character cards. So what this game is is a game called Goblin Gangsters, and it's it's a one page RPG. But he cheated because it's both sides of one page, so technically two pages. But
0: eh, it's one page.
1: <laughs> it's like you know, imagine a world similar to our own, except the creatures of myth and fantasy fantasy live openly among us. Elven celebrities. You know xenophobic dwarves, blah 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 and and so the goblins are an organized crime faction, and you know it's just again I don't know that i I might consider it for a con thing I already have something in mind there, but you know it's a little one page quick thing, um, oh, looks like Rick Hershey did the art for it, you know what art there is it's not a lot, but still cute little looking thing, and it's uh yeah. It's goblins' organized crime, which I think could be endless amounts of fun.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a blast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, your ambitious soldiers of the Red Fang family made goblins who have demonstrated their skill and loyalty and now seek further promotion. Fortunately, Don Big Nose has just a job for you. <laughs> and apparently it is the canonical prequel to another game that I had not noticed called... The Gobfather, <laughs> which, uh, by the same author. Now, the PDF of that one is going to set you back a whopping $3. Actually, not quite $3. And that's 23 pages. Mm. Um, You know, but it's, yeah, it's modern-day urban fantasy. Cro- it, I'm sorry. It just, oh, and that's for Savage Worlds. Oh, cool. Oh, geez. Okay. So, Goblin Gangsters is just a one pager, but The Godfather is technically a Savage World setting. Very nice. Okay, I'm gonna have to get these just because, probably, because this just. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, did you look at the the listing for The Godfather?
0: No, I did not.
1: Okay, call it up and just read the last paragraph because it it it. I think it tells you everything you need to know about the writers approach to the game. Need a link? Oh,
0: bringing it up now. Sorry. Second half of the book contains... <laughs> <laughs> Not reading that one out loud. You're going to have to go find it on your own. <laughs> That's funny.
1: Hey, like I said, I think that tells you everything you need to know about how that game was intended.
0: Yep. yep. Mm. Oh, well with all of that being said, as always links to everything are in the show notes,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, Patreon, discord, Facebook, Inst- uh, Twitter. I keep saying Instagram. No, we don't have an Instagram. You don't yeah, want to look at my ugly mug. Our old logo once on my Instagram account, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we want to thank everyone for coming out and listening. And, uh, yeah, you know, come
1: find us on the discord because occasionally we get asked to do fun things like, And I should have mentioned this way back when, but the other people involved in the playtest were people on our Discord. So you come hang out on our Discord, you might get dragged into fun things.
0: Yeah, but we do want to thank you all for listening and be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all intro and outro music by the band 12 noon you can email us at me and steve at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at and rpgs find us on facebook at me and steve rpg podcast on discord at me and steve rpgs and as always all of these links are in the show notes thank you and be kind to one another for the cigar cigar 20 bucks dog you gotta go down the street to the store and buy that Stoppy stop something i said stop Uh. oh that's what i wanted to tell you that's a name you brought up a name that i think we should think about reaching out to have on the podcast
2: Hmm.